Back here on Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning, our website is sportsmedicineweekly.com. My producer is Shane Reardon, coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Nick Verma, subbing this week for our usual co-host, Dr. Brian Cole. They're both with Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Dr. Cole, of course, the head team physician with the Chicago Bulls. And next to me, Dr. Nick Verma, head team physician with the Chicago White Sox. All right, Dr. Nick, question for you. How do you handle prescription pain medication in the White Sox clubhouse? It's a great question, Steve. You know, I think we've all heard stories or ESPN exposés about the days when uh, there used to be a, a pill bowl in a locker room, right? It's almost yeah. like you know, handing out M&Ms oh. where you'd have a bowl full of, of pain medications and people would just take them. I don't know whether that really happened or not, but certainly that does not exist in the professional world in this day and age. Our uh, locker room is completely prescription pain medication free, which means that our trainers don't stock it. Our trainers don't travel with it. Uh, if there is a player that needs a prescription pain medication, which honestly happens maybe once a season, really? uh, oftentimes when they're recovering from a surgery in the short term or something like that, it's a prescription that's given to that player. They go fill it at the drugstore just like you or I would, and then those prescriptions are handled um, in, in a, uh, let's call it a sterile way within the locker room where they're protected and distributed as person the schedule and we get them off of them as soon as possible. Wow. So and is that a major league rule or just a White Sox uh, rule that you follow by your culture? It's uh it's a White Sox rule for sure. The major league uh, certainly suggests that this be handled this way, that narcotics not be contained within the trainers' trunks or distributed by the trainers. Uh, they cannot be done without the uh, prescription of a of a uh, physician, but I would say that the vast majority of teams no longer carry uh, pain medications or narcotics with them. Well, that's good to hear. But, Doc, you are aware, though, I'm sure, that a huge number of high school and college athletes are being prescribed opioids for pain, almost 25% now. They have a very high chance of becoming addicts. Start of the school year is a reminder that we all have a responsibility to keep our student athletes safe. It is an epidemic out there, isn't it? It's a big problem. And, you know, I think to some degree, unfortunately, this was uh, a pendulum problem where the pendulum swung very far in medical education to say pain is the fifth vital sign and pain needs to be treated, which meant that if somebody reported pain, we'd want to provide them medications or other things to try to manage that pain. But what we've come to recognize is there's a downside to that, right, and that these medications can be highly addictive. Um, they can be um, – there's a high potential for abuse, and I think it's really – uh, the responsibility of uh, orthopedic physicians and team physicians to make sure that these medications are being handled responsibly. Our next guest, uh, quite a story. After losing his son, Brian, to opioids in the year 2011, our next gentleman on the air with us, Gary Mandel, uh, has been on a mission to shake up the system. So the former hotel executive, a major player working to reduce this scourge, uh, donated $5 million to launch the national nonprofit Shatterproof to combat addiction and Gary is with us right now from New York City uh, trying to spare other families the tragedy his had suffered quite a story Gary Uh, our uh, condolences to you and your family but we appreciate uh, you coming on Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning and helping to share your story and uh, what you've learned uh, in your nonprofit Shatterproof uh, about uh, teenage brains and uh, how things are uh, kind of uh, becoming of epidemic proportions with the uh, pain medication, correct? Sure. Uh, And uh, thank you for the condolences regarding my son, and thank you for bringing attention to this. Um, I first want to say, just listening to Nick um, speak about how the White Sox are handling this, um, 
it literally brought tears to my eyes. I, I wish that every doctor in the country spoke the same way that Nick just spoke and how the White Sox are handling this. Um, it was just so well said and um, just an honor to be on the show with you, Nick, and, and hear how the White Sox are handling this. Um, what I've learned, which it sounds like Nick already fully understands the same, is that these medications, whether it's Vicodin, Percocet, Oxycontin, or some other, um, what we've learned as a society is, just as Nick said, we swung the pendulum way too far. Um, the amount of these pills being prescribed really took off in, in the late 1990s after Oxycontin was approved by the FDA, and it became a pain, pain became a fifth vital sign. And the pendulum swung way too far from left to right. And the amount of pills being prescribed on an annual basis went up four times. I mean, literally in 2015, the healthcare industry prescribed enough of these pills to give every man, woman, and child in the United States a bottle of pills for three weeks around the clock. Wow. That's how much. I mean, there's 320 million Americans. There were 280 million prescriptions. And all, not all, but most of them, 30 days worth of pills. So that's how much the pendulum swung. And what we learned as a country, tragically, and I learned as a family, as a father, is, yes, there are some benefits to some people, but the risks of becoming addicted and overdose and dying are far outweigh the benefits in most circumstances, not all. And we swung too far. It's not to, be, it's not to say that these medications should be outlawed because they're needed in many cases, and they should be used in many cases. But it should be moderated significantly compared to what it is today, something closer to what it was 20 years ago. And that's what needs to be done. And it, and it sounds like the White Sox are clearly doing that. But the, the issue in our country is, is this is not being done uniformly the way the White Sox are doing it. And even worse, and you referenced it, adolescence. The adolescent brain is not fully developed, fully matured, fully grown until the early 20s. And it's been proven without any doubt that introducing a substance into the adolescent brain before the age, before the, the, that young adult reaches the age of 22 or 23 or 24 is much more likely to become addicted because the brain is not fully formed and so susceptible to becoming addicted. And that's a huge issue in this country. And our high school and college athletes are being prescribed these medications far more than they need them, in many cases far more liberally than it sounds like the White Sox are doing so. And, and, these, and these young adults below the ages of 22, 23 are becoming addicted. And that leads to a whole nother conversation about how do you treat someone addicted? But Our it's a huge risk to this country. You know, one last statistic which could lead to this, it's estimated right now that in the next 10 years, 500,000 people 
will die in this country of an overdose. That's 10 times the Vietnam War. Wow. Our guest is Gary Mendel. He is the founder, CEO of Shatterproof, talking about the opioid epidemic and its effect on sports. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Nick Verma. Dr. Nick is the head team physician for the Chicago White Sox, subbing this week for Dr. Brian Cole and from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Gary, you know, hearing your story, and as a father myself, uh, obviously our heart just breaks for you, but it's amazing to me to read the statistics on your website that talk about 25% of uh, student-athletes, that's high school and college, are being prescribed prescription medications. As I said, um, you know, as a professional uh, team physician, you know, the number of narcotic uh, prescriptions I write in a single year, I can count on my hand for one of our professional players. You know, as parents, obviously, we, we are a child's biggest advocate when they're playing at the high school level or the collegiate level. Can you talk about what, what the role parents have in preventing this and what are some of the warning signs or things that we should look out for as parents to intervene early? Sure. Um, the reality is we shouldn't have to as parents because doctors should be doing it. But, to, but, to, but as a kind of belt and suspenders, as a double check on the system, parents should be educated what we all three on this phone call know, which is the adolescent brain is much more susceptible to becoming addicted, number one. Number two, if the White Sox can only prescribe a handful of players opioids in a season, why is it more for high school and college athletes? It should be less because it's less dangerous at that level, or at least no more than that. And what we haven't talked about is the length of the prescription. Is it two days, three days, or 30 days? The CD, you know, up until two years ago, two and a half years ago, it really was not the fault of any doctor in this country because they were taught in medical school, as Nick, you, you may have been, that it's the fifth vital sign. We're under treating pain. There's no risk of addiction. Prescribe away. And that's what most doctors were taught. But that changed two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago, the CDC came out with a set of guidelines, 12 recommendations, that basically had the opening paragraph, we made a mistake as an industry, and a lot of people are dying because of it, or have already died. It is what it is, let's go forward. Here's the new set of guidelines. Recommendation number one, really look hard, think carefully if the, if the patient needs an opioid or can we try something else, whether it's physical therapy or Tylenol or something else. Recommendation number two and three and four, if you need to if you think you, the patient needs prescribing of an opioid, then really look at it really shouldn't be more than three days. It may need five. It may need seven, but almost never more than seven days. And prescriptions are still happening around this country, in high schools and in colleges, for 30 days when it should be three days. And if the patient needs more, then come back to the doctor and get another day or two. The risk of overdose doubles, doubles, once you go from three days to um, six days, doubles. And doctors are still giving out 30 days. So back into the question about what parents can do, they need to be a check on the system. 
But I can tell you that someone that works for me, her son is a, is a high school athlete. He's a goalie at a high school in New Jersey, in Princeton. And he actually didn't, wasn't a sports injury. He had a, a tonsil removed. And the doctor wanted to give him 30 days worth of Vicodin. Well, the woman that works for me knows how dangerous that is and told the doctor, no, he doesn't need Vicodin. I'll give him Tylenol. Actually, I think it was a pulled tooth or wisdom tooth, sorry. And she said, no. And he said, you're not leaving my office unless you take this prescription. So she took it. They walked out the door. She threw it in the garbage. But the doctor would not leave her, let her leave the office. This, this happened six months ago. This is not six years ago. Wow. And so she, as a parent, protected her child. Parents need to understand this to protect their children because there's too many doctors out there that, that don't are not doing the good work of UNIC and the White Sox. And parents need to be a check on the system. I think that's great advice. The two questions you should ask is, does my child need this? Is there something else we can do? And then what's the shortest duration we can use this for before we're transitioning to Tylenol or Motrin or Naperson or something else? Absolutely. And on the CDC's website, just Google CDC opioid guidelines, and there's a whole, there's toolkits for doctors, there's toolkits for parents. It's all there. Gary, we're out of time. Thanks so much. Uh, the Gary's website is shatterproof.org slash about. He is the CEO and founder of Shatterproof, the non-for-profit trying to help the opioid epidemic and its effect on sports. So we appreciate you, Gary, joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly. Absolutely. It's an honor to be on with both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Gary Mendel from Shatterproof. We're back with our staple of the show. We call Ask the Doctor here on Sports Medicine Weekly. Steve Cashel, Dr. Nick Verma, joining you again after these messages only on 670 The Score.